Now you can take your Bible and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1, as you turn there, tell you about an inventor who once said, and sometimes I think we should have listened to this guy, theoretically, television may be feasible, but I consider it an impossibility, a development which we should waste little time dreaming about. (laughs) Chairman of the board for IBM in 1943 said, I think there's a world market for about five computers. Which is kind of funny. This morning we probably have about 50 computers in this room. A recording company expert said in 1962, we don't think the Beatles will do anything in their market. Guitar groups are on their way out. Obviously, those people were completely wrong about the future. And let's face it, do you know any better than they did about the future? (laughs) Do you? Do you know any better? Could you do any better with your predictions than they did with theirs? I don't think I could. Do we even know what's going to happen tomorrow? We have plans for tomorrow. But, as God's people, we should hang on to those plans loosely because God may change our plans. At this time last year, did any of you predict the 2020 that we were going to have? We do not know what challenges are in store for our future, do we? But we know the one who holds the future. All is not lost if you don't know the future, if you don't know what exactly is going to happen tomorrow. It's okay to make plans. It's good to make plans. It's good to prepare yourself for tomorrow and for the days that follow, but you need to realize you do not know what's tomorrow. You don't know what's coming. But all is not lost. It's a new year, and with it comes hope. Right? We look at a new year, many of us, and go, well, here's a fresh start. I don't know why we do that, but you know, we flip the calendar from one year to the next, and we say, okay, fresh start. Here we are. And that's good. But better than a new year is that when you listen to the Bible, you find real assurance, real hope. A, a very real place to rest your hope, and there is real reason for joy found in God's Word. God has given us, in His Son, every reason for hope. When we read the Bible, we find that God knows our needs better than we do. God knows our needs, and He promises to provide for those needs, and He has provided for our ultimate need through the Lord Jesus Christ. In His Son, Jesus Christ. We just celebrated this, didn't we, with the Lord's Supper, this ultimate need being met through the Lord's Son, the Lord God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Corrie Ten Boom, a woman who, with her family, helped Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II, faced serious difficulties and struggles herself because of this, demonstrated her confidence about the future when she said these words, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I love that. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. 
of all people in this world, believers in Jesus Christ should live with the most confidence because we know God holds the future. In fact, that's a good motto for all believers in Jesus, that little phrase from Corey Ten Boom. It's a pretty good motto, isn't it? In our known God, in Jesus Christ, the future is secure. God made himself known to us in God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we rejoiced in that at Christmas time. And, and I spent three weeks telling you, you should rejoice in this year round, that God made himself known to us in Jesus Christ, God the Son. And we gather back together this first Sunday of the new year. We return to our study in Philippians together, and we're reminded of this again. Through faith in Christ, we no longer have to wonder about the future. We can rest assured that we are secure in Christ for all eternity. That is our confidence and our joy. We've been seeing here in our studies in Philippians that this was Paul's assurance also. He took great confidence in these truths. And we're going to see today how Paul was able to face an uncertain future with joyful confidence. And we'll see today how you, too, can have joyful confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to follow along in your copy of God's Word. We're just going to look at one verse today. It's verse 20 in Philippians chapter 1. Follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read from the English Standard Version Verse 20, Philippians 1, where Paul says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. You read that verse, that is an incredibly hope-filled perspective whether by life or by death. That with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, he says, whether by life or by death. As we've noted in our previous studies here in Philippians, Paul was in prison. He was possibly facing execution because of his stand for Christ. He did not know what difficulties he might face. He thought it was possible he could be released, but it was also possible that he would lose his life. But in spite of his uncertain future, Paul had an eager expectation and hope. You hear that? In that? He has this eager, he is eager to see what's going to come, whether it's life or death. That's kind of incredible. We face hardship and problems and difficulties, and, and we often do it with fear and expectation. And, and we have a hard time saying, I'm, I'm hopeful for the outcome of things that we're, we're concerned about. But this is what Paul was saying. It's instructive to us, isn't it? He had serious challenges ahead, but he's able to say, I'm... I'm not discouraged. <laughs> I can hear that, this in this passage this morning. He's, he's not saying, I'm, I'm really dis, disheartened here. And I'm really discouraged and worried about the future. Now, I just don't know what's going to happen, and this could be really bad, folks. That's not what he's saying. He says, it's my eager expectation and hope. Those are not words of a man who's giving up any ground to doubts he might have been tempted to have about the future. And I'm, I'm pretty confident he probably was tempted to have doubts about the future because he was a human being like we are. 
So how is Paul able to face an uncertain future with this joyful confidence? Those two words, eager expectation. They describe what happens when you strain your neck to just catch a glimpse of something that's far away. And this idea of straining to see what's ahead joined with that word hope, it really gives a clear picture of Paul's confidence. He has this eager expectation. He has this hope. So this wasn't wishful thinking on Paul's part like we often do when we use the word hope, don't we? We'll say, well, I hope, I hope things change soon. I hope I'm able to get that job. I'm hope, I, I hope I'm able to get through this difficulty. I hope I, hope I can get along with that person in the, in the workplace. We hope, but that's not what Paul was saying. His hope is confidence. It's not an I hope so kind of faith that Paul has. He's, he's demonstrating an I know so kind of hope. These words that Paul uses here, eager expectation and hope, it's expressing confidence in spite of, of an uncertain future. And there are two certainties in which Paul has confidence. First, he has confidence that he would not be ashamed. We'll dig into that just a little bit. He has confidence that he will not be ashamed. And then secondly, he has confidence that Christ will be magnified. He will not be ashamed, and Christ will be magnified. Note first his confidence that he wouldn't be ashamed. What does that mean, that he, that he has confidence that he will not be ashamed? Some might have thought that Paul should have been ashamed at having been locked up, been in prison. Like, this should have kept him quiet in the future. Shame on you, Paul. Now keep your mouth shut. But Paul was not ashamed. As commentator John Gill puts it, he was not ashamed of his reproaches and sufferings for the sake of Christ and Christ's gospel, nor of the gospel which he preached, so as to retract and deny it, drop the whole, or conceal any part of it, lay down his profession of it, or cease to preach it. In other words, Paul would not shut up about the gospel. He, you could not tell him to shut up and and take his licks and go away and be quiet. He would not. Paul expected to remain bold, just as he had been in the past. He expected to be bold. He expected to be courageous, whether he was released and continued to preach the gospel or whether his life was taken from him. But Paul's confidence wasn't in what he could accomplish in his own strength. We need to understand this. His confidence is properly fixed on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He is not bragging here about what a strong person he is. He's testifying to the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And he knows with the work of the Holy Spirit, he will be able to remain confident and he will not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. As we saw our last time here a few weeks ago in Philippians in verse 19, Paul understood that it was the provision of the Holy Spirit that was at work in his life. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the same Holy Spirit at work in you. You and I need, desperately need this kind of confidence in 2021 that we have the Holy Spirit. If our faith is in Jesus and in Him alone, we have the help of the Holy Spirit to face whatever comes.
The same Holy Spirit that was Paul's is ours. What an encouragement that is. Paul knew he would have just what he needed to keep pressing on, to keep living for Christ. You can have that same confidence. I can have that same confidence, and we need it. That we can keep proclaiming the gospel no matter what difficulty comes. In fact, this is what our world needs most, to hear the gospel from the church, to hear the gospel, to see it lived out by God's people with joy, with confidence. Commentator William Hendrickson points out that the Holy Spirit will never permit Paul to seek an easy way out of his imprisonment, for example, by denying his Lord. On the contrary, he will equip the apostle with unfailing courage, literally complete outspokenness, a courage which reveals itself in a frank and unhesitant proclamation of the good tidings of salvation to all who are willing to listen, and which has as its source confidence in God and in his promises, the confidence of one who knows that at all times he can approach his God without fear. That's our truth that we rest on. That's the truth that we have a great high priest in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think this same confidence given by the Holy Spirit of God is seen in a man like Jim Elliott. Have you heard the name Jim Elliott before? Many of you have. The same kind of Holy Spirit confidence is seen in Jim Elliott's life and his fellow missionaries' lives. Jim and Elizabeth Elliott were missionaries to the Aki Indians. Jim and a few of his fellow missionaries were trying to reach a people who were cannibals and, and were a very violent group and And yet, it's remarkable that when they finally made contact with these people, they went with sidearms and and rifles to protect themselves. And yet, they were killed by the Aka Indians and did not fire a shot. It's remarkable that these men took protection with them, but refused to use it because they were actually taking the gospel. They wanted the gospel to be known to these people. Later, Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot's wife, and a few other missionaries actually returned to minister to the Akas and soon won many of them to faith in Christ. It's an incredible story. And I think Jim Elliot's perspective on the future points to his courage in Christ when he wrote these words. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott was talking about giving up yourself. And for him, it meant giving up his life, giving up your own wants, giving up your own desires, even your life, as in Jim Elliott's case, for the cause of Christ. He was willing to give it all up because he knew he couldn't lose the gift of eternal life found in Jesus Christ alone. You know, you can live like that too in the new year with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of God's word that come what may, you're willing to give up your own desires so that the gospel could be made known, your own rights, your own privileges to say, I'm going to give up that privilege so that my neighbor can know Jesus, my coworker can know Christ. 
That's what the Bible calls us to. That is what we are called to in this new year and as we've just celebrated the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because he came and because he was victorious over death, we can rest assured of our salvation through faith in him. And we can lose nothing that's ours through Christ, no matter what happens, because he keeps us in Christ. And through faith in Christ and the confidence that God gives by way of his word, the Bible and his spirit working in us, we too can face unknown difficulties with confidence, even joy, making Jesus known with the way that we respond to the hardships and difficulties that we face knowing that with God's help we will not be ashamed and can remain steadfast for Christ no matter what comes. So in 2021, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Center your life on the Word of God and on living for Christ, and you can live 2021 unashamed for God's glory. Making Jesus known. Now note Paul's confidence that Christ would be magnified. Paul was confident that he would not be ashamed. He was also confident that Jesus Christ would be magnified. Paul says in the second half of verse 20, But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So whether Paul lived or whether he died, all that mattered to him was that Jesus be magnified. Can we say that? It's one thing to say that in this service right here and right now as we go, yes, I could say that. (laughs) And then we face challenges and hardship. And yet we can say that. We have the help of the Holy Spirit to correct our own thinking in the midst of hardships that we do not want, we want to cast off, and we want to be done with. (laughs) To be able to correct our thinking with the Word of God, that's what we should be all about, centering ourselves on the Word so that when we're off track, we can get on track in our thinking with the truth. So that we could say with Paul, But with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Come what may, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether Paul lived or died, all that mattered to him was that Jesus be magnified. And about this, Warren Wearsby says, does Christ need to be magnified? After all, how can a mere human being ever magnify the Son of God? And then he explains, well, the stars are much bigger than the telescope, and yet the telescope magnifies them and brings them closer. The believer's body is to be a telescope that brings Jesus Christ close to people. To the average person, Christ is a misty figure in history who lived centuries ago. But as the unsaved watch the believer go through a crisis... They can see Jesus magnified and brought so much closer to the Christian with the single mind. Christ is with us here and now. He goes on to say, The telescope brings distant things closer, and the microscope makes tiny things look big. 
To the unbeliever, Jesus is not very big. Other people and other things are far more important. But as the unbeliever watches the Christian go through a crisis experience, he ought to be able to see how big Jesus Christ really is. The believer's body is a lens that makes a little Christ look very big and a distant Christ come very close. I love that perspective. We need to have that kind of perspective about our lives as a church, as God's people, as we center ourselves on the word of God, center ourselves on Jesus and making him known that we can magnify who Jesus is to the watching world as they watch how we endure hardship. Paul's life teaches us well. This example is necessary. He was not living to promote himself. He was only wanting his life or his death to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Oh, that we would be able to say that, even imperfectly, even as we struggle to say it. Oh, that we ought to, with our hearts, full desire say, I want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ with my life, come what may. Paul's passion was that Jesus Christ would be magnified and glorified. That was his focus. And he was confident that whatever happened, God would use his life to exalt Christ. He wasn't promoting himself. He wasn't overly concerned for his own interests. No uncertainty would sidetrack him because he was focusing on exalting Jesus Christ. That's our challenge, isn't it? For the new year, no challenge is going to sidetrack us. That should be our desire, that we are not going to be sidetracked from magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And today in this new year, God's word calls you to have this same focus for your life. God is calling us as a church to continue to make serving and exalting Jesus, making his gospel known our focus as a church. That we would be here in this community and in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces to magnify Jesus and make him known to the watching world. That should be our focus as a church, as a people. Our teaching it's not to be man-centered, making people feel better in their sin. Our teaching is to help people see that there is a Savior to, to rescue them from their sin. Helping people see the Savior who died so that sinners could be saved. As God's people, as God's church, we are here to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's make that our aim in this new year, with this fresh start. Let's keep that as our aim. We're not here to promote ourselves. Everything we do as individual believers and as a church should be with the aim of magnifying Christ, of making Jesus known. Where we have trouble with this is when we face difficulties. Where we struggle with this is when things are uncertain in the future. It's then we tend to fixate on our own needs and desires. We could look at what's going on in our culture. We could look at what's going on in politics and our government and wring our hands if we're not careful. 
But if we will make it our aim to magnify Christ with our lives, to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will find that we have the Lord's joy and help in the midst of things that rub us the wrong way and irritate us and might cause us to lose hope and confidence if we fixate on them. But his confidence, Paul's confidence, as he faced an uncertain future, was in what Jesus had done for him, what Jesus had finished for him on the cross. And that should be our aim also, our focus. Paul's confidence was in the fact that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Our Savior lives today. That's our joy. That's our confidence His confidence was in the fact that Jesus is living in all people who trust in him. That's our confidence today. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us to help us, to help us understand the word of God as we read it and as we seek to live it out. No, none of us knows what the future will bring. We don't know the difficulties and trials we will face. But we can face an uncertain future with the same kind of joyful confidence that was obvious in Paul's life when we trust in the King of Kings, when we trust in the Lord of Lords. And through faith in Jesus, with the Word of God instructing us and guiding us and centering our thinking, and with the Spirit of God living in us and helping us with His truth, we can live unashamed. We can live with confidence, with joyful confidence that Jesus will be magnified in our lives in whatever we face if we will live to magnify him. May that be our desire in this new year. May this be a challenge to us and an encouragement to us to continue to refocus and to continue to recenter our lives on Christ and on making him known. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, what a privilege is ours to have your word as our guide to correct us, to instruct us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit to help us live in this new year for your honor, for your glory. Lord God, I pray that you would strengthen us as a church collectively as the body of Christ. Strengthen us as families that we would fix our eyes on you. Strengthen us as individual believers that we would not lose hope, but we would have confidence knowing that what you have accomplished for us through the Lord Jesus Christ, what you finished at Calvary is for our good, for our sakes, that we might know Christ through faith, that we might know forgiveness of sins, that we might know confidence and joy in this world in which you have us living in this place and time right now. And so, Lord, I pray as your people, help us to honor you, help us to desire to please you in all that we do and say, strengthen us, we pray. We ask for your strength, for your confidence, the, the confidence that we can only have by your help, by your Holy Spirit and by your word. And then, Lord, help us to be people who saturate our hearts and minds with the truth of your word, that we read it for ourselves. That as we gather together for worship, we 
We listen to the preaching and teaching of your word as you speak to us through the pages of Scripture by the wisdom of your Holy Spirit working in our hearts and minds that we might leave this place refreshed, encouraged, challenged, and strengthened to live for Christ, to live lives that are unashamed for Christ, to live lives that magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we ask for your help in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.